You're listening to The Course Creator Show, the podcast all about building your online course business. We talk about marketing strategy, making money, and creating a business with impact that gives you freedom and lights you up. I'm Gemma Bonham Carter, a Canadian mom of two, a speaker, a real estate investor, a reality TV lover, and an online business strategist who has helped thousands of entrepreneurs create, launch, and scale their digital course businesses. Let's dive into this episode. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. I am so excited you are here. We are going to dive in today to part two of my 2022 year in review. Uh, We did part one that if you haven't listened to it already, you might want to hit pause on this episode and go listen to that one first. It was kind of set the scene of what worked well for me in 2022, a bit of like the highlight reel. It was basically my top 10 business milestones uh, for the year. And it gives some really good context into how my year went. However, having said that, we're going to dive in today to the stuff that didn't go so well for me. I really like to do this at the end of every year, really think through you know, what is it that didn't feel great? What is the data telling me that, you know, didn't work so well? I really dive into my numbers deeply on this one. Um, When I do this exercise, both like income and expense type numbers, but also key performance indicators, you know, growth metrics on different platforms I've been using for audience building, uh, conversion metrics for funnels, for launches, for everything to do with my email marketing channel. So that is what I have done kind of in preparation to lead me to these sort of, I don't want to say flops, but like areas where I'm learning lessons basically from 2022. And I almost think that this is more important than looking at the highlight reel. The highlight reel is great and it's super important to feel like grateful and proud of the achievements that you've made and the growth that you've made in a year. Really important to celebrate that. Also really important to look at this stuff so that you can go into a new year or really you can do this at any time, whether it's a new quarter or just a new chapter or season in your business and look at what didn't work so that you you don't want to keep doing things that aren't working well for you, right? Best to like learn the lessons and move forward in a speedy kind of way so that you can see continued like growth and evolution of your business um, and not get stuck in things that aren't working for you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't have a particular number of lessons and I'm not sharing these in any particular order. I literally have just written a whole bunch of notes down and um, and I'm just going to dive right on into them. Okay. So the first thing that didn't go so well for me in 2022 I would say is YouTube. Now, YouTube, here's the thing about YouTube. (laughs) It's an amazing platform. I know this. The things I love about YouTube is that you are building content that is going to serve you in the long term, right? It really comes, like it, it feels familiar to me in the sense of when I used to be a blogger, I loved the fact that I was writing blog posts and creating content that would be found on Google for years and years to come. And like legit, it still is. I still get tens of thousands of page views a month to that old blog of mine that I don't publish anything to anymore. 
because I put in this work in the beginning of creating good content that is what is sort of called evergreen content, but it just means content that like is there for the long game. Like in comparison, things like TikTok, Instagram, you know, any other platforms that we've used in the past, Snapchat, those types of things, those are fleeting, right? You're creating content that has a very short shelf life versus things like Google, YouTube, and arguably Pinterest, even podcasts to a degree where you are creating content that is going to be fa- continue to be found in the long term. And it has the potential for like really good SEO possibilities. So having said all that, that is why I initially made a concerted effort to grow on YouTube, to put content out on YouTube. And I had sort of created my entire content marketing flow. I'm a big believer in repurposing. So I always try and think of, okay, I'm gonna have like one core piece of content and then how can I um, fan it out and repurpose that content to any other platforms that I am going to be on. So that's always like my MO because I'm a big believer in not... um, reinventing the wheel, basically. And I'm a big believer in effective use of my time and my team's time. So I had made my content marketing system kind of be rooted in YouTube, meaning that I would think about, okay, like what's that one big idea that I want to share this week? Or like, typically I would think about it at a month at a time and think about four big ideas that I wanted to share in a given month, create a YouTube, like create notes, create a script around it, film a YouTube video, use that content for the email that I was going to send to my list. So those kind of went hand in hand because like me writing the script was basically me writing the email and then using the YouTube to not only obviously publish the YouTube channel, but to repurpose that for this show, for the podcast, and then also repurpose it for Instagram content. So that was sort of the method in 2022 that we were using for, from an, like like an organic content marketing perspective. And there's a couple of things. So number one, I have never, I feel like I've been pushing the boulder up the hill with YouTube and I have just never found the place of feeling at ease with that style of content creation. It's really funny. I can hop onto this podcast and chat with you so easily but put me in front of a camera and it's not that I don't want to be filmed. It's just, it changes the way in which I, the ease in which I'm able to like discuss things with you. And I, I get more like stilted as soon as the camera's on, if it is me free flowing. So like put me in front of a camera with like a slide deck and I'm golden. Like I can teach for hours and be happy doing it and, you know, put me on a Q&A coaching call, like all those things. That is definitely my comfort zone, but my comfort zone is not scripted videos on camera that need to be like, you know, I was never going for like really polished, but like needed to be somewhat polished for YouTube. And I kept trying. I kept being like, okay, I just need to like find the right flow, find the right system. Maybe it's my setup. Maybe it's like, maybe I need um, an app, like a teleprompter app to help me with the script thing. And that that did help a little. But like at no time did I ever feel A, excited about filming a YouTube video or B, even feel that great about the result 
of the YouTube video, like of my, you know, what I was putting out there. So I, and I should say this with one caveat, the type of YouTube videos that I was totally game to do are like the, you know, the ones where you're like sharing a a software, like a how to for a software and you're doing like a screen video happy to do those, right? I feel no, none of that weird, like stilted scripted thing when I'm doing that type of video. So all that to say, I really in my, like in my body, (laughs) never really loved doing YouTube content. And as a result, like I don't, you know, my YouTube channel hasn't grown that well. Like in 2022, it went from 2,100 subscribers to 3,800 subscribers. Like given the amount of videos that I put on there and really more like the amount of hours that I put into recording YouTube content, like that's terrible. (laughs) That is not good. And I could be using that time far more effectively. So that has been, I didn't want to like make that decision too early because I'm a big believer in like there's never going to be a platform where you have overnight success with it. And so I really am a big believer in like, you just have to keep being consistent and putting the content out there. And eventually you will see the reward of that. But at the same time with YouTube, like I felt like at this point, I've now put in about two years into that YouTube channel. It is nowhere near what I feel like it could be or should be based on the amount of time I've put in. And I can just feel it. Like I, if I loved making the YouTube content, I would keep going. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be so disheartening that the growth was slower if I loved it. Right. So, but I don't love it. (laughs) And like by comparison, my podcast this year, all in 2022, it grew for the year by 65,000 downloads. Like we had 65,000 downloads, uh, actually a little over than that for the year of 2022, which considering all I did was like push my YouTube videos to podcast, that feels good, like really good. And I have missed just doing what I'm doing right now, which is turning on my microphone and recording a podcast. I have missed this. And so I definitely in 2023 am shifting the model that I have been using for content marketing and coming back into making the podcast part, like more part of the core piece of content because it is, I love it. It feels good for me. It is easy. It flows. And the other thing is I consume podcasts. So like, I feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit more, or I know how I want to show up on podcasts because I listen to them. It's a form of content that I really enjoy, whereas like I'm not really a big YouTube watcher. So nothing against YouTube. And if YouTube is for you, oh my gosh, go rock it. I'm proud of you. Like that is a hard platform to make work and you should be really, damn, like I'm impressed. Okay. So, (laughs) but you have to like just make these decisions for you and your skill set and how you want to show up. So that was definitely something that did not work for me in 2022. And even just talking about that out loud and making in part three of this like podcast series, I'm going to talk to you about what I'm focusing on and doing instead. So I'll save more of that for the next episode. But once I made the decision around what it's going to look like for 2023, the weight that felt lifted off of my shoulders was insane. Like 
I felt so much lighter and happier. So anyway, that's a story for the next episode. But YouTube growth for me, that was a flop in 2022. (laughs) The other flop that's like a little bit uh, connected is that what I was one thing we experimented with was repurposing my YouTube videos to Instagram. So we would take the YouTube video and try and like, you know, I see lots of other people doing this, right? Try and clip it down to like, let's say you could get five clips from a longer YouTube video and then be able to pop those on Instagram as reels. And you could even use them on YouTube for YouTube shorts. And potentially, if you want to go even further, you could put them onto TikTok, right? There's so many, like that's obviously sounds so amazing. Like, yeah, film the YouTube video once, then be able to repurpose it across all those platforms, great. But for me, I think like, first of all, stemming from the fact that I never felt like my YouTube videos were exactly what I wanted them to be. And therefore when we clipped them down to Instagram, I never felt like what we were clipping to Instagram felt exactly in line with how I wanted to show up, you know? So it just never felt quite right for me. I would look at them on Instagram and be like, eh, you know, like it didn't feel excited about it at all. And they performed okay, but definitely not, they didn't perform well on Instagram. So I think for me, looking back on Instagram for 2022, like that didn't work terribly well. I really ebbed and flowed this year with Instagram. Like there would be times when I was in the zone and loving it and showing up and posting good content. And then I would fall off for a bit and, uh, you know, things would like go down into the dumps. And certainly when you look at like reels, like I did like I hardly posted reels this year. I posted some like what I mentioned with the YouTube clips and stuff, but me just recording something just for reels definitely didn't really happen this year. And I feel like my brand on Instagram didn't have a very cohesive vibe to it uh, or strong enough brand message. So that is something I'm going to talk about in the next episode as well, is like what my plans are for Instagram going into 2023, because definitely I knew that there needed to be some changes there. So, you know, two things that didn't work terribly well for me. Another element of 2022 was that my launches this year, I did not have a six-figure launch, like cash in hand six-figure launch this year. Launches were just down in 2022. And this was across the board, all the peers that I spoke to, like unless you were selling something that was, you know, $2,000 or higher, like certainly if you're selling a 5K or 10K program, like a lot easier to get to six figures in that case, just from a volume perspective. But I, with my, the prices of my programs, I did not hit a six figure cash in hand launch this year. However, I made multiple six figures in my two different programs, like in Course Creator School and Passive Project, each program brought in multiple six figures. And I really, again, believe that this is, well, and I know it's fact, that this is thanks to using that hybrid methodology that I have talked about a lot, and it's what I teach inside of Passive Project, Um, of combining evergreen funnels and live campaigns, right? Or live launches, whatever you want to call them. So by utilizing 
that combination, even though, you know, one particular live launch didn't necessarily bring in six figures, the combination of what I was doing throughout the year brought in multiple six figures. So it just felt like, again, a a testament or an element of proof and evidence that this hybrid combination model is really so effective and so effective when there's like an economic downturn and maybe you can't rely on the one method like live launching that you might've been able to rely on before. And the nice thing is this hybrid method has more baked in like security because it uses multiple avenues and strategies to sell your course. So yeah, launches, you know, not as good in 2022, but the upside being still saw 30% growth year to date because of that mixed hybrid strategy. So if you want to learn more about that hybrid strategy, if you are a uh, an experienced course creator, you already have a course that's created and launched, you'd be exactly the right fit to take the passive project and enroll in the passive project and utilize that strategy, which is where I teach how to create really effective what I call a primary evergreen funnel, then we layer in what I call a forever funnel, and then the cherry on top is doing some live launch campaigns throughout the year, but you don't need to be overkill or intense or stressed or you know, all of the adjectives that you might have used um, when talking about live launches in the past. The idea is that it doesn't have to be that way when we can just not you know, when we can do it in a more chill kind of way. So that is what I teach inside a passive project if you're interested in learning more about that. Another thing that didn't do so well for me in 2022, low ticket products that I tested. I had some fun over the summer. I launched, I put out there a launch playbook uh, that in my opinion is like worth its weight in gold. We use that spreadsheet every time we do a live launch in my business. And so I put that out into the world as a low ticket product. And then I also did a flash promotion of my webinars that work low ticket product. And they didn't do that well. Like when I pulled together all of my income and I broke down my income by like product and revenue stream and put it into a pie chart. And it's, I shared this with the Passive Project members. We, I did like a giant deep dive into it with them. But when you look at that pie chart, like those slivers for those low ticket products were tiny, tiny. And looking back, it's like, okay, had I actually just spent that time doing one other, uh, whether it was like optimizing my funnel or, you know, I don't want to say doing a whole other live launch, but like doing some sort of concerted like flash campaign or something, or even sold a one-to-one high ticket thing that was a shorter time span, like not working with someone for three months. But if we did like a funnel build or something like that, that's high ticket. Like I would have used that same amount of time and had a far greater return on investment. So Anyway, it's just interesting to look at that. It's just sort of another example of like 
I'm not enamored by low ticket products is basically the bottom line. I would say by comparison, I do have two low ticket products. One is Workshop Wins and one is 52 Prompts. And these have been long-term offers of mine that have, you know, a lot of social proof. We've got a lot of good testimonials. They've got good sales pages built out for them. And I mentioned them in my email signature that goes out in almost all of my regular newsletters. I mentioned them at the bottom along with a few other things. And what's interesting is like I didn't actively promote Workshop Wins or 52 Prompts all year. I did not run one paid ad to them. Uh, I didn't do a flash sale of them. Like I didn't do anything really other than including them in my email signature. And they sold way more. I sold good chunks of money from those two products. So like I want to say one of them was around 35K or something. So that to me is like just an example of, okay, let's not go overboard creating all these new low ticket products. If we just have like one or two solid ones, which is nice because it's nice to have a variety of price points for people who want to work with you in different capacities, but like we don't need to go reinventing the wheel or bringing new stuff out all the time. So that was sort of a lesson learned for me. One other kind of, I guess, quote unquote, like lower ticket item would be the paid live workshops I did this year. And I did one on my own, uh, which was Black Friday in a Box. And then I did one with Mallory, or sorry, a series of three with Mallory Rowan. And those definitely did well from a financial point of view. Like the three, the three part series with Mallory, you know, we each made just under 20K USD. And which was largely pure profit because we didn't run ads or anything like that for them. However, they definitely took the whole month of November for both of us. Like we poured ourselves into those workshops and it took a lot more work, I think, than either of us had originally planned. So, um, you know, taking that with a grain of salt, it's more just like thinking about in the new year when I think about when I get excited about ideas that's great, but I don't always need to act on them is basically the bottom line. And it's like thinking about, okay, all of those ideas are fun and cool and exciting, but what are the ideas that we actually want to act on that are going to get us to our larger vision or the vision or goal or whatever of where we want to end up by the end of that year? So like one of the things for me going into 2023 is when I look at like inevitably I'm going to get fun ideas. But when I look at them and I look at the projects that I want to accomplish, like I need to take those and and put them against the vision of where I want to be December 31st to 2023. And if they're not a good fit, like I need to shelf that idea for now, you know? And I didn't necessarily do a good job of that in 2022. Um, so that was a lesson learned for sure. The other thing for me in 2022 is, like upon reflecting on it, I definitely found myself hitting a ceiling on my bandwidth. So I am at this stage in my business where like I've had really, like I've had consistent growth year over year. And as I shared in part one of this series, I hit seven figures Canadian in like annual revenue. I went over the seven figure mark for the first time ever. And it's interesting because you do, I didn't really believe people when they were like, oh, you know, 
you hit these different points in your business and like things change and you, it's not that you outgrow things, but like you're forced to make changes in your business. And I didn't really believe it. So I was like, well, no, I'm just, I can see that I could just make more sales or make more money and still be doing the things that I'm doing now and nothing would need to change. <laughs> like famous last words, right? So as the year went on, I definitely found myself, I was really feeling like, okay, Gemma, you are now still way too much in the weeds of your business. You're, you're not like, I, you know, not necessarily being able to like serve the same way I wanted to or show up in the way I wanted to or be able to create like the content or learning material or have enough like time thinking at the high level, like the high strategy level that I should be spending time thinking at now that I'm, you know, at this stage of my business. And I felt that like, especially late summer and into the fall, I felt myself hitting up against that over and over and over again and realizing that something needed to change and that I was hitting this like moment of just needing to like break through it to, to keep going. Um, so I, you know, one of the changes that I'm making going into the new year is I've, uh, hired Chelsea Wallace on for even more, sort of project management with me, helping me run some of the live campaigns that we do in the business, like just helping with some of the marketing stuff and just being a lot more thoughtful around some of the things that I'm delegating and hiring out. And so that has been like, that was definitely a challenge for me this year. I also feel like one of the things that really came up for me late summer and fall around that same time was me feeling like I am outgrowing my brand. And I'm not someone that's ever been very, I've never really sat down to be totally frank and like gotten really serious about what is my brand, you know, vision and what are the words and what exactly is it and, you know, having it really, really clearly defined. It's actually never really been an exercise that I've done. I just feel like I've innately known what my brand has been these last few years. And I have definitely felt this year like I am in a time of just it's evolving and shifting. And yeah, 2023, I think you'll notice like there will be a big, I don't, this is not going to be some dramatic change, but like, and I am who I am and this is still a personal brand business and it's still me doing this. So like can't change that much, but I feel like I've evolved to a certain degree, and my brand is coming with me in that. And so I think you'll see that happening in 2023, and it's definitely something that I was coming up against um, this past year. And then one of the last things that I feel like didn't work for me in 2022 was, you probably know this about me, I love writing my emails. I love connecting with my, you know, my folks on email. That is my preferred like way of delivering content. It is my preferred way of marketing my stuff. It's how I make the most sales in my business. Like it is by far my favorite activity um, when it comes to like marketing. And I really didn't feel like I had enough time for writing email content. Like I often felt rushed in having to do it. And as a result, like my emails still I mean, they crushed in 2022. (laughs) 
I'm going to be, I'm going to claim it and be proud about my emails, but they're not what I had wanted them to be. I have a really high expectation and standard for myself. Um, when it comes to that really is one of my like special sauce things. And I felt like they could have been better. And so maybe that's just like me having a really high expectation, but I didn't feel like my emails were as good as they could have been. I didn't feel like I had the time space, like, you know, just the, the white space in my day to craft the emails I wanted to craft. And so that is something for me that also just felt frustrating throughout the year, I would say, and is something that I would like to have change in 2023. And I think as a result, like my email list growth in 2022, pretty stagnant, to be honest. Like I didn't, it's not like I'm ending the year with like a way higher lit like larger list than I did at the beginning of the year. I I will say I've been very like pretty ruthless about my keeping my list clean. And so um you know we regularly are deleting subscribers off the list to make sure that our deliverability remains really high and as a result like my open rates this year like continually improved throughout the year. They did like I did really you know, well for my open rates, given the size of my list. But I I would like to see bigger list growth in 2023. And that's definitely going to be a bigger, um, I would say a bigger focus for me moving into, into the new year. And part of that too will be, I have been talking about this forever and I am actually, I actually like half implemented it. And then, you know, when you just don't like see a project all the way through and you don't get used to the new system and then you're not using it anyway, I have, I've sort of half gotten there with like implementing a much better tracking Google analytics system so that I can better understand like not only where my leads are coming from on my email list, but then, you know, um, really tracking like the evolution of a lead and where sales are coming from and what different platforms are working well for me. Like I really need to be, um, I need to finish up building out that system and get more clear about some of that. So that would be a project going into 2023 for sure. But just generally having more time, making more time. I don't suppose it's going to just show up. I'm going to need to make and prioritize the time to really pour into to the email. So that's it. That's a wrap on what I feel like didn't work for me so well in 2022. It was a bit of a mishmash, but hopefully hearing me talk through some of those things, maybe it sparked um, some thoughts for you. Maybe it sparked, you know, some reflection on what maybe didn't go so well for you in 2022 as well. Or if you haven't really reflected on that yet, Maybe this episode can be the jumping off point for you to think through some of those things. Think through the way in which you were marketing this year, like your organic marketing. Did you do paid marketing? Were you using visibility and collaborations? Thinking through what worked and didn't from that perspective. And then also, you know, what didn't work? Maybe looking at like products you launched, programs you ran, clients you worked with, services you offered, it really like the team that you're using, think through every element of your business, you know, how you got to show up day in and day out, what your days or weeks look like as a business owner. Think about all of those things and think about maybe like what wasn't successful, but then also what didn't feel good. What wasn't, what's not aligned with how you really truly want your business 
to be and and how you get to show up in it and really think through those harder questions because you taking the time to do that exercise now will mean that you will go into the new year with so much more clarity and thoughtfulness around the goals that you set, but also like the priorities and how you start showing up. And if you start it with a bang in the new year, my guess is, is that you will be able to carry that out throughout the year and end up just in such a good place by the end of the year with your business. That is my hope for you. So I hope that this episode has been uh, enlightening. Send me a message, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what your favorite parts were at Gemma.BottomCarters, how you can connect with me over there. If you would be willing to leave me a rating or review on whatever podcast listener you are currently listening to this to or this on, uh, that is so appreciated. The more ratings and reviews, like even if it's just like, the star rating. You don't even need to leave me a big, big, long uh, review. But even just those star ratings really help the show get seen by other folks who are looking for podcasts on this topic. And so I just really appreciate it. And that is it for me. Stay tuned. We've got part three of this series coming up next, where I'm going to be talking about not only my focuses for 2023, but also some of the predictions, what I think maybe some areas that you might want to think about uh, going into the new year in terms of the digital marketing and course creator space. That's it for me. I will see you next time. That's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're ready to launch your first course, sign up for our free class in the show notes to learn my method on how to do it successfully and unlock an invite into our signature program, Course Creator School. Or if you've already launched a course and you're ready to scale and go evergreen, it is time to join us inside of The Passive Project, my membership community for experienced course creators. Head to gemmabottomcarter.com forward slash apply to submit an application. If you enjoyed this episode, leave me a rating or review or tag me over on Instagram at gemma.bottomcarter. I would love to hear from you. I'll see you next time on The Course Creator Show.